Warning, Deep Fix contains adult content and language. So if you don't touch processed foods, but eat gummy bears, this may not be for you. And now, Deep Fix. Hello, and welcome to Deep Fix, where we're getting a fix of all of our favorite obsessions. I'm your host, Jen B. And this season, we are breaking down the epic Real Housewives of New York City, seasons one through three. And this episode, we're breaking down season two, episode five, New York State of Mind. Now, let's get our fix. Let's jump right into Turtle Time with a quick overview of the episode. Episode 5 opens up with Ramona and sweeping views of her beautiful Hamptons house. We learn that Bethany was actually a guest at Ramona's house during Labor Day weekend, which is the last weekend of summer. And if you remember from the last episode, it was the Social Life magazine party where Bethany was the cover model. So we get a chance to see she and Bethany bonding especially over them both being done with Luann's pretentious behavior. We also see that she attends a Sting Russell Simmons charity event at a place called Bruno's. All of the ladies except for Bethany attend this event, so we get to see them interact. And at the party, we also see Ramona reaffirm her dislike for Alex and Simon. Shocker. And then we get a little softer side of Ramona. We see she and her daughter Avery shoe shopping in New York City where Ramona is having some realizations that her little girl is growing up. Now, as for Bethany, we get more snark and more skinny girl this episode. As I said, we see her bond with Ramona and offer her commentary on The Countess. Although we do see Bethany and Luann try to reconnect after their retouching bump in the road they had. So they go to lunch where Luann attempts to give Bethany some dating advice. Because Bethany is about to go on her first date since her breakup with Jason number one, which we also get to see the first date. And then we get a bit more of Bethany Bakes and Skinny Girl as Bethany hosts a booth at a health expo where Alex comes and agrees to help her. Now, as for Alex, she returns from her Caribbean vacation to find her home, which is currently under construction, if you remember, and it's not as far along as she and Simon were hoping. I mean, in short, it's a freaking disaster area. We see she and Simon attend the charity event at Bruno's with the rest of the ladies, where Simon continues his run as phony and creepy. And we also see them tell Luann that they are working on a book about child rearing in New York City. And then in a really nice scene, we see Alex show up for Bethany at the Health Expo. She's agreed to help her with her booth. And we get to see Alex without Simon, which is a welcome change. And then lastly, we see Jill, who comes over to their Brooklyn townhouse to help them with their remodel because she works for Zarin Fabrics and is going to help them with the fabric piece. She tours their house and gives them some advice, or should I say criticism? (laughs) Now, as for Luann, we see her pretentiousness in full swing. We first see her at her Hamptons house. She's getting ready and prepping Victoria for going off to boarding school soon. And it becomes very clear that Luann has no idea what's going on in her home or with her children. 
And then later on in the episode, we see they've arrived back in New York City at their townhouse. It's the end of summer, school's about to start for the kids, and they're getting back on track for the year. We get some more of her housekeeper, Nanny Rosie, who we just love, who of course knows more about what's going on in her children's lives than Luann does. But we always love a Rosie sighting. She also attends the charity event at Bruno's with the ladies, where she eventually leaves with Kelly. And then we see her throw Kelly a bone where she goes over to Kelly's house for a cooking lesson, which seems strange with those two, but whatever. But we see that even Luann, with her phony countess-like behavior, is more real and more normal than Kelly. And then lastly, we see her go to lunch with Bethany. They're trying to work out some of their issues. And she attempts to give Bethany dating advice, which just does not come off well for Luann. It's just a little cringeworthy. And as for Jill... We only get two scenes of Jill. The first one is when she arrives from the Hamptons. She's been there all summer. Her house, remember, she's wanting to redo her home. And Brad, her gay husband and designer at Zarin Fabrics, has removed all of her furniture from her house in preparation for the remodel. And needless to say, Jill's pissed. And then we also see her visit Alex and Simon's townhouse in Brooklyn because, as she says, They are the newest Zarin Fabrics customer because they are going to be remodeling their home as well. So she does a tour of the house and gives them advice, criticism, snarkiness, all of the above. And then last but not least, we've got Kelly. And we do see a little more of Kelly than we have in the previous episodes. You may recall, although she's new this season, she's really only had maybe one scene per episode, if even that, so far. But we get a little bit more of her. We see her at the charity event with all the ladies. We see her chatting with Ramona and then leaving with Luann. But the bulk of her appearance this episode is when Luann goes over to her house for a cooking class hosted by a guy slash chef who she's clearly dating, sleeping with, crushing on. I don't know, but it's weird and very contrived. And it's also our first glimpse into how weird Kelly is, especially with her children. You just end up feeling bad for her kids. And in fact, even Luann, who's not really that involved with her own children, it seems, feels bad for them and points out some of Kelly's weird behavior. So with that, let's jump right into mentioning it all and dive into Season 2, Episode 5, New York State of Mind. So episode five is a great setup episode. And what I mean by that is it sets up the reveal for both Alex's house and Jill's house once the remodels are done. And it also sets up a little bit of the background with some of the drama with Luann and Jill, Ramona, Bethany, and also just sets a tone that more drama is to come, which of course it is. So this episode opens up with Ramona. We're at our Hamptons house, which is just stunning, of course, as I always say. And we find out that Bethany is actually staying at her house for Labor Day weekend. And we open up the night after her Social Life magazine party where she was the host, she was on the cover. So this is the same weekend as the episode before. She's Ramona's guest. And so she and Ramona, they're in their skirts and their bikini tops. It's the last weekend of summer. They're walking their dogs. They've got cocoa and cookie and they're out in the Hamptons on a walk. And Ramona is being very sweet and very much unlike Jill and Luann, where Ramona tells Bethany how proud she is of the magazine cover and the hosting of the party. 
And then speaking of the party, she reminds Bethany that this is the first time she's seen Luann since the fight at Hope Lodge, where she said she was uh, Luann was married to an older man, which she is, and Luann lost her shit. And Ramona also mentions that Luann said Mario actually isn't that attractive. And you see Bethany's reaction. She's like, what? That's absurd. Of course, Mario's a hot guy. Like, give us a break. And we see in Bethany's confessional, she says that Ramona likes it that she's got the young, hot husband, you know, whereas Luann has the older husband, and it's a bit of competition for them. And so Ramona goes on and says, look, I'm just sick of this pretentious countess stuff that is going on. Oh, darling. Oh, darling. Which I just, I love that scene. Oh, darling. Oh, darling. And Ramona says, meanwhile, she isn't prim and proper, so I don't know what she's talking about. And I do feel like this is the first sense, or at least on camera, that we're being told or being introduced to the fact that Luann is not living the most perfect manner-filled life as she's trying to portray. And we see them chatting. They clearly agree. And even in Bethany's confessional, she says that Ramona and her are on the same page about Luann. They're both anti-hypocrisy, and they're done with it. And we see them chatting. Bethany is explaining that she is done with the conversation on manners and what's right, what's wrong. She's over it. And Ramona explains to her, elegance means that you make people feel comfortable when you're in their presence. And she says, but Luann doesn't make anyone try to feel comfortable. She definitely didn't make her feel comfortable at Hope Lodge. And Ramona says, I even bought her a bottle of champagne afterwards to apologize, but I'm the schmuck because I didn't do anything wrong. And while that's generally true, it really was Luann who took it to the next level. Ramona did get a small couple of shots in. And as Bethany says in her confessional, she wouldn't say that Ramona didn't do anything. (laughs) But they both understand and are on the same page with Luann's behavior. So they're walking down the street and then we see a convertible Porsche pull up and Ramona says, who's that? Who's that unattractive guy? (laughs) Because it's Mario making fun of what Luann had said. So Mario pulls up, he stops, he says hello to the ladies. There's a hilarious part where Bethany's dog, Cookie, tries to jump into the open door of Mario's what looks like a brand new Porsche, and he has a fit. He's like, get out of the car. It's so funny. Don't mess with a middle-aged man in his middle-aged crisis car, right? So they chat, they have some fun banter. Mario's going to take off. Ramona asks him to take the poop bag of Cookie's poop, and of course, he's like, get out of here. And at the very end, Ramona puts it, kind of throws it in his car because it's a convertible. But of course, Mario has the last laugh. He throws it back out onto the street to them and drives off. And then we cut to Luann. We're at her Hamptons house. She's packing up her daughter, Victoria, for boarding school. She explains that Rosie, her nanny slash housekeeper, has sewed all of Victoria's names and labels into her clothes because, of course, Luann wouldn't do that. And they're packing up. She's got her bag out. And Luann looks to the hamster hamster cage and says, well, where's the hamster? And then Rosie and Victoria have to explain to Luann that the hamster died yesterday. And And she asks, what did you do with it? And they explain that they buried it in the field in the backyard. To which Luann responds that his timing really was perfect because she didn't know what she was going to do with him now that Victoria's leaving for school. And I have to say, it just seemed very telling that her daughter's pet died. She doesn't know. And in fact, her daughter went to Rosie and told her about the pet dying and they buried it together, not her mom. Again, it was just a bit illustrative of how involved or not involved Luann is with her kids. Then she goes over. She's talking to her son, Noel. She's going over his list of chores. Did you feed your dog? Did you do the dishes? She says, did you feed your fish? 
her son looks up at him and says, the fish died, mom. And it's just, it's perfect timing because again, Luann has no idea, no clue. She does try to make light of it that she doesn't know and says, oh God, the animal rights people are going to all be after us after this. And then we see in Luann's confessional, she's talking about Victoria going off to boarding school. And she says she wants her to enjoy boarding school, but at the same time, she doesn't want to let her go. And there was just something, something inauthentic about the way that she's saying that. I just didn't believe her. I don't know why. I know that's a mean thing to say, but it just didn't seem authentic. It seemed like she was saying it for the cameras, especially after being grilled by Ramona about sending her daughter to boarding school. But the scene ends with Luann and Victoria sitting on their back porch, lounging on their chairs, talking about boarding school and how she's going to come home every weekend and she's only a couple of hours away from the city and that Luann is proud of her and she's going to be great. So next up is Alex. They are, of course, playing that shady royalty music as she and her family drive up from their vacation. They arrive at their house in Brooklyn. They've just had their Caribbean vacation, and they're getting ready to see the progress on their house, which I I do say, I feel like this is a bit ridiculous too, and I'm sure Simon loved making it seem like they were gone forever, but I think they were only gone for like two weeks. I don't know what you were expecting. They had to have a full demo of some of their floors. Two weeks in construction time, there's not going to be a whole lot of progress, especially when the first step is demolition. But of course, they show up at their house and Simon's, you know, oh, he's a bit bit upset at how little work has been done. He's complaining, this wall should have been done. Why wasn't this up? Why isn't this door in? And Alex does say, well, they did tell me when we were on vacation that this wall was done and it's, it's not even framed out. So maybe there's a little bit of truth to it. But again, two weeks, guys, I don't know what you were expecting. And before they even settle in to the house after getting back, they get the mail and start going through the invites that they've received because Fashion Week is coming up. So we get another pretentious moment where they're talking about all of the invites and who's who and who they're going to. And I just have to say, if it was me and my house looked like that and I had two small children, I'd be a little less worried about the invites to Fashion Week and a little more worried about the construction in my house. But that's just me. So then we switch back to Luann. They're now back in New York City at her townhouse. It's the end of summer. Summer's over. Noelle, her son, is heading back to school. She does say that although they miss Victoria, Noelle is enjoying being the king of the castle with her gone. And Luann explains, he looks mature, but he's only in the sixth grade and he's still her little young man. And this scene again, just it's like, Luann, at least try to make it look like you have a relationship with your kids. Because we see Rosie is making breakfast for Noel. He's going to be late for school. So Luann takes the dog out for him. And when Luann returns, she tells Rosie that she went to see Celine Dion. Of course, she can't say it in, in English. She has to give it the French flair. And then she goes on to tell Rosie, oh, I, I had an extra ticket. I didn't realize it, but I could have invited you. And it's just like, okay, Luann, that's just such a bitchy thing to say. Don't don't let somebody know they could have gone to a huge concert, but but for you actually inviting them, right? It just, it was a little bitchy moment. And Luann's looking over his homework. She just like, is this today? Is this, what is this for? Of course, Rosie's like, this is today's. She knows way more than Luann. And then Luann explains, Noelle is also growing sea monkeys. And she ends with saying, look, we've had a rough summer with animals in the house. So I'm hoping these sea monkeys at least live long enough for him to enjoy them. Then we cut to Jill in her New York City apartment. She's in town for a meeting and she's arriving at her apartment after having been in the Hamptons all summer. 
We see Brad, he's talking to the painters in Jill's dining room um, about the makeover. Jill arrives. You see Brad panic that Jill is there. He clearly was not anticipating it. And when she walks in, you can tell she's shocked because all of her furniture has been removed out of the house. And she said she had no idea. Brad did this without asking her. And you can tell she's pissed. And it is a bit ridiculous because she asks several times, where is all my stuff? And Brad's response is, don't worry about it. And I'm just going to let you know that if my entire living room, dining room, sitting room, hallway, if all of my things were empty and gone, and your response was, don't worry about it, you wouldn't get a good response from me. But we hear Jill say, you know, seven years ago, she wanted to be traditional girl. And now she wants to be mid-century modern girl. So she's embarking on this big remodel of her apartment. And I do have to say, because I know what the final product looks like, I would not call that mid-century modern. I love mid-century mod, but that's not what her apartment ends up looking like. And so Jill's going around. She's wanting to know what's going on. And of course, she's, you know, I have to approve everything. You are talented, but you are not practical. And where's my stuff? So finally, he explains it's in storage. She's like, all right. And then again, we just get off of Jill saying that she wants things to look mid-century modern. And then Brad standing in the living room saying that the living room is going to look like the inside of a beautiful yacht. And I'm sure maybe some yachts look like mid-century modern, but that's not the vision I would have given somebody if that's the style they're going for. So I think that explains the disconnect on the final product. And of course, Jill is just going around picking at Brad, which of course she does anyway, because they're a family of complainers. It's their favorite thing to do. But now she's pissed at Brad, so he's just getting it. He's explaining that he was going to put shutters on her windows, but it wouldn't work. And of course, she quips back, why the hell would you put shutters on these windows when we have a view like this? And I will say she has a beautiful view. She's in a high rise apartment in New York City. I wouldn't ever want to close the shutters. So what would be the point of installing them? And then we see Jill explain that Brad can never admit he's wrong. And so it is her lifelong goal to get Brad to admit he's wrong. So eventually, after complaining and giving Brad hell, she tells Brad she's leaving Ginger, her little obnoxious, crazy dog with him at the house, and off she goes to a meeting. So then we cut back to Luann. She's going to a charity event at Bruno's on the Upper East Side. She explains that Sting and Russell Simmons are throwing the party. We see Kelly and Ramona and Mario arrive. Mario does say hello to Luann, even though she was just being shady to him, although not to his face. They speak Italian. They say hello to everybody. Then we see Alex and Simon arrive. And we see this scene. You guys, this is such a perfect and gross scene all at one time to explain why everyone feels that Simon is such a phony. So Simon is introduced to somebody at the party. He and Alex are standing there. And the woman who introduces him says he owns the Hotel Chandler. Well, of course, he doesn't own it. And so what does he do? He doesn't correct her. He just quietly says under his breath, oh, don't believe that. And Alex just stands there kind of uncomfortably, and it just shows what a fraud he is and how desperate he is to be seen as something he's not. And I, I'll i say, I'd be pissed if one of my employees claimed to own my business. I'm sorry, but just not a good look and so telling as to who Simon is. And then we cut to a scene, we see the same woman talking to Ramona and Luann, and she asks if, he's, uh, if they've seen that Alex and Simon has, has arrived. And Ramona is very quick to respond, they're just not my cup of tea. And we get Ramona's confessional where she says, I find them phony and there's just no depth to them. 
But I mean, is she wrong? You know, I mean, we just saw the scene where Simon could not be any more phony. And so then Alex and Simon walk up to Ramona and Mario and Luann, and Ramona immediately kind of turns her back and walks away, which of course Alex picks up on. So Luann continues to talk with Alex and Simon, and they inform her that they are working on their book. And Luann inquires, what is it about? They say it's about parenting and toddlers in New York City, which is so ridiculous because of how poorly behaved their children are and how bad they are at discipline and parenting, as in my opinion. But it makes a little bit of sense now that we realize that this wasn't going to be the Real Housewives of New York City. This was going to be Manhattan Mons. And even one step further, a show about how difficult it is in New York City and to get your kids into the education system, at least a good one. But again, I mean, what a joke. They have no clue how to effectively parent or discipline, and their kids are out of control. And Luann agrees. We cut to her confessional where she says, based on the kids' behavior, I wouldn't say that they are the authority on children and behavior. And then, of course, because the producers and editors can't help but be a little shady, they cut back to the season one finale dinner where her kids are under the table. Francois is just screaming for no reason. It just becomes very clear that they have no clue how to effectively parent, as we've all seen. But then we cut back to Luann talking with Alex and Simon, and Luann's response is, well, that sounds like fun. Then we also see Kelly and Ramona. They're talking. Ramona asks her if she came with anybody. Kelly says no, she arrived alone. And Ramona tells her that she's very brave for coming without a date, which is so absurd and so New York. And this is the one time where I feel like Kelly is actually based in reality. We see her confessional where she says, in the Midwest where she's raised, you're raised to be an independent woman. But New York City, on the other hand, is a very codependent city. You can't go anywhere without anybody. You don't want to be seen without anyone. And I think she's actually right for once. And then we see Ramona tell her that she and Mario are going to dinner with Jill and Bobby later that night. And Kelly asks, oh, are you guys good friends? And Ramona actually sits and thinks about it for a second and finally comes back and just says, no, it's so great. And then in perfect timing, Jill and Bobby arrive. We also see Alex. She's talking to Simon and saying, do we really have to wait for Sting to get here? It is so hot. And you can tell everyone's commenting on how hot it is. Everybody's got a real dewy complexion, a dewy face from all the sweat And instead of responding, Simon says, oh, let's just kiss. And he kind of grabs her and kisses her. It's like, it's so gross. But I'm sure he just doesn't want to say in front of the cameras that no, they're not leaving until Sting gets there because he's so desperate to rub elbows with celebrities and social climb. And then Alex mentions again, it's so hot in here. And Simon looks at her and is like, oh, well, you are hot. And she just kind of uncomfortably laughs. It's like, oh, God, these two. Then we cut back to Jill and Mario and Ramona. They're talking about the upcoming tennis match. And of course, Jill is grilling him on who Ramona's professional is going to be that she's going to play with. And Mario, of course, is ribbing her. He's saying, oh, did you call Pete Sampras? Have you called Andre? (laughs) Just giving her a bad time about all the pros that she wants to bring. And Mario's like, look, I've got a professional. You know, she's great. She can play with you. But of course, Jill says, no, I've got my own professional. And I'll let you know, though, if I need yours. And we see uh, Jill's confessional where she says, I don't know why, but Mario is just obsessed with picking who I play with. And it's like, well, I kind of get it. He's a professional tennis player, right? He's nationally ranked in his age group. He doesn't want to look like an idiot. He doesn't want her to show up with a Pete Sampras or an Andre Agassi or something like that, which I wouldn't put it past Jill. 
And he cares. He says to her, I don't want to lose to somebody I don't know. Like, I need to know who's showing up so I can prepare for the game. Again, Jill, he's a professional. You shouldn't be that shocked. We cut to Luann and Kelly. They're clearly together. And we see them say, all right, let's get out of here. And they decide to leave. And the scene ends. And then we open back up. We're at Kelly's Soho condo, which is quite fabulous, of course. And Luann is making a visit. Kelly is having Luann over for cooking lessons, which to me, this whole thing seems so ridiculous and contrived. Let's be honest. Neither Kelly nor Luann are doing a whole lot of cooking for their family. All right. So sign number one that this is just a setup. And then we see who the chef is. And his name is Sam Talbot. I guess he's a chef from the Hamptons. He's a very young, attractive guy. And it becomes very clear that Kelly is either banging this dude or is trying to get in his good graces by getting him on TV. It's just such a setup. So Luann then comes in, she introduces herself to Kelly's younger daughter, Teddy, and you can just tell that she's uncomfortable, probably because of the fact that there's this dude that her mom's dating in the house. Her mom is a lunatic. And so Luann goes over and says, oh, it's, you know, nice to meet you. And she, it's really interesting. Teddy uses their dog. They have this little white fluffy dog. I guess his name is Fluffy. She kind of uses him as like a shield. So when Luann comes over to introduce herself, she says, she puts out the dog's paw and just kind of doesn't say anything. And Luann says, well, I already met the dog. I wanted to meet you. What's your name? And Teddy just sits there kind of uncomfortable. She's shy. She doesn't want to say. And Sam, the chef, comes out and says, oh, Teddy. And she says, oh, Teddy, great. Nice to meet you. And then Kelly shows up and she's got a pink sweater and she forces Teddy to put the sweater here, put the sweater on. It's just really uncomfortable, really awkward. There's just it's off, right? When you watch the scene, it's totally off. And even Luann picks up on it. Luann points out and she says, look, it's really hot. Why are you making her put that sweater on? You're in a tank top. And Kelly goes, yeah, I know. Okay, put the sweater on back to her daughter. It's just so freaking weird. And then her older daughter, C, S-E-A-C, shows up and you realize she's wearing the same pink sweater. So Kelly clearly has this obsession with her kids matching. And Luann says, these poor kids, they're probably really hot. It's just so weird. And I, again, I just feel bad for these girls. My God, I can't imagine living with a lunatic like this, let alone it being your mother. So they go into the kitchen. Chef Sam shows, uh, explains to them that they're making lettuce wraps. And we get this Kelly confessional. And she, whenever she talks like this, it's just, it's such a bunch of bullshit. She's like, Sam Talbot, Talbot is so dynamic. He is totally my type of guy. I love him. I just love him. And it's just so inauthentic when she does this type of hype show thing. It just reminds me of very New York fake. I can't take it. And then she says, one reason I love him is that he's really, really talented, but he's really easygoing. And it's just like, Kelly, those aren't opposites. There's lots of talented people who are easygoing. I just, I don't get the correlation. The whole, I don't know, the whole thing is just off. So we see them kind of cooking and Kelly is just flirting all over the place. And then we see another shot of Kelly at her confessional where she explains, I know a lot of really, really amazing and talented people. (laughs) It's like, good for you, Kelly. So again, Kelly's flirting with him. She's sitting on the counter when he's cooking. She's just being overly flirtatious and her small children are there. It's just, she has no boundaries. I really, there's something wrong with her. (laughs) 
And just as I was thinking that when I'm watching the episode, we cut to Luann's confessional where she says, I think she and Sam are good friends and there was definitely some flirting going on. And I went, yeah, I'm not crazy. It was definitely a bit ick. And so as they're sitting there and the chef is preparing some things and kind of teaching them, Luann says to Kelly, so where exactly are we? Where's Where's your apartment located? And Kelly says, oh, downtown. And Luann's like, Yeah, I know downtown, but is this like Soho? Do they consider this Chinatown? And finally, you know, Kelly's like way downtown. She just, uh, what is wrong with her? But she finally gets around to saying it's like Little Italy Soho area. And so the chef now is done with the the lettuce wraps and everyone's going to try them. And you can tell her kids are uncomfortable too. I just, the whole thing, I just, anyway. So Kelly is all over them. She tells the girls, put on your princess napkins. And Luann's like, princess napkins? She goes, oh, yes, well, you can do your countess napkins. And then she's just, she's so hard on the girls and she nags and nags. She looks at C, she takes her, as, as her daughter takes her first bite, sit up nicely, sit up nicely, C, sit nicely, C. And then she's like, wipe your face, wipe your face, wipe that after that bite. And it's so out of control that finally Luann has to say something and goes, hey, stop being the mommy police, like, stop it. And I think then we get a glimpse based on Kelly's response into her personality disorder or whatever is going on. I can't tell if she you know, doesn't know how to behave. And so she mirrors the behavior around her. I'm not sure. But her response is, well, kids need to have good manners, which, again, I think she's trying to play to Luann's manners book and the whole thing, which they, they were perfectly mannered. And Luann points out, she says, of course, kids need manners, but your girls are perfectly well mannered. There's no reason to be acting like this. So they finish their lunch and Luann finally leaves and we get a classic Kelly bye as she leaves. Ugh, my ears. So then we cut to Ramona. She's um, going shopping with Avery. They're going to shop for shoes. She goes to the Stephen Dan store for custom shoes. He He makes custom shoes and orders them from Italy. But he also carries regular brands, too. So she walks in. She explains that she's kind of looking for some boots like the booties, the short ones that you can wear with jeans. And then she and Avery are talking and she finds this giant, clunky, really tall heel. And Avery's like, ugh. And Ramona, because she can't help taking a small dig at Jill, says, yeah, these are these are like Jill shoes, right? This is something Jill would wear. <laughs> so good. And I will say it's very sweet. Ramona and her daughter do have a special bond and um, Ramona's saying as much. And so then she has Avery try on the shoes. She goes, you know, Avery, you be my model. You try on the shoes. You let me see what they look like. And so Avery is trying on the shoes. And of course, they're very adult heels. And so she looks older the moment she puts them on. And then Ramona stands up and realizes that Avery is taller than her in the shoes and looks very adult. And then Ramona has that moment where she just can't believe that her daughter is growing so fast and having that realization that her daughter is no longer a baby. And then Avery, which I love, Ramona's saying, okay, we'll try this one on and try that one on. And Avery looks at her and goes, mom, I hate to break it to you, but just because it looks good on me doesn't mean it's going to look good on you. That's not how it works. (laughs) It's so great. And then we see Ramona's confessional where she says, look, it's hard for kids Avery's age to have an attractive mom. They just wish we would shut ourselves up in the house for the next 10 years and not be seen, which which is pretty true. And then we get, as she's trying on the shoes, we get a price flash because they're talking about ordering custom-made shoes from Italy. So, you know, they love a price flash in the first couple seasons of Roni. So we get a price flash that says custom-made Italian shoes, $1,295. 
And then Ramona and Avery finally go to check check out. And as they're checking out, we get another price flash. They're really big on him for this scene that says five pairs of shoes, $3,756. Classic. And then Ramona and Avery leave. So next up, we cut to Bethany. She's actually going to lunch with Luann. She explains they they are trying to get past the bump in the road they had with Luann's shitty comment about they're going to be doing retouching on your magazine cover, right? So they sit down and Luann explains that Alex and Simon shared with her that they are writing a book. And Bethany's like, oh, really? What about? And she explains on child rearing. They both get a great laugh <laughs> because it is hilarious. And Bethany, because she's just so good with these lines, she says they should be writing a book about crawling through air conditioning vents to get into a good party. That's what they should be writing a book about. And what's so funny is you can tell Luann just she finds this hilarious and she's literally dying laughing at the table. It's so good. So as they're having lunch, Bethany explains, hey, I actually met a guy that I think I like and we're going to have a proper dinner and a proper dinner date. And then Luann comes in with the dating advice. And it's like, oh, Luann, stop while you're ahead. So she starts in, well, you know what you're going to do? You're going to lean in really close at the table and you're going to talk really softly. And it's like, this is like, is this a joke? <laughs> so we cut immediately to Bethany's confessional where she's like, so apparently now I'm in dangerous liaisons. Like, have we met Luann? Do you know me? <laughs> so Bethany's trying to explain to Luann at the table, look, he already knows what I'm about. I don't need to kind of play games. But Luann keeps going. She's like, I know, but you don't need to tell him everything about you. You want to kind of play the damsel in distress. Guys love that. You don't need to be, you know, don't be so sharp as a whip as you are and, and, and so smart and everything. Sit back and let him do the talking. Ask him about himself. I mean, we're just all cringing as we watch it. But then we cut to Bethany's confessional. She's like, all right, hold on. First of all, everyone seems to think I've never gone on a date before. And like, I don't know how to go out with a man. Okay. Like, I, she has no capability. She goes, it's like I'm Shrek or something. Fast forward to Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and Heather being called Shrek. Sorry, I couldn't help but think of it when she said it, but I digress. And then we see Luann's confessional where she says, look, I just think Bethany is really aggressive and men don't like aggressive women. <laughs> so we cut back to Luann, who's still going on. And she says, you know, let him be the man. That's the problem with women. You know, I think men are sick of being too equal with men, with women these days. And Bethany, you just see her eyes. She's like, oh, shit, I cannot believe I'm having to sit through this. And so Bethany, she's trying to be polite, but she's like, look, this is who I am. And I don't act like anything else on a date. I, you see, what you see is what you get. And then we get Bethany's confessional. And you can tell they're on to Luann. They know what's going on. They haven't quite said it on camera yet, but they're over it. And so Bethany says, you know, I don't think Luann has any better of a life than anyone else. And to sit here and make me feel like I should want to emulate her life and meet Prince Charming and drop everything I've worked for just to run off into La La Land. She's like, this is just delusional. But Bethany is perfectly kind at the table. She tries to get her opinion in, but she doesn't push too hard. So they finish lunch and off they go. So now we open back up with Bethany and she's going on the date that she was telling Luann about. And it's with a guy named Todd Mark Miller. He's a chef and I think an, the owner of a really nice restaurant that was down in um, the meatpacking district called STK. And so their date is at the restaurant, which is really cute. They're both chefs. And she explains it's her first date in three years that wasn't with a boyfriend because she's been consistently with her boyfriends. 
And she says, so lucky Todd, he gets to be her first back out there. And I will say right when I saw him, I went, "Mm, this guy isn't her type. He's too short. He's not really attractive enough. It was just my thoughts. But as we scroll through the episode, turns out I'm right. But they're really cute. I think they could have been good friends. They have good chemistry. They cook together. He takes her back into the kitchen and kind of they do a a couple of things together. And Bethany appreciates it. She said he had a plan. And I like that because she's usually the one in charge. And she likes that she got there and he had the whole thing planned. And as Bethany explains, it had a little high school, like cute vibe. And he was wanting to impress me. And it was really sweet. And she throws in, but Jill thinks I shouldn't date another chef because of the ridiculous schedules. You know Jill couldn't help but give her her two cents on this one. So then they go out to the private table and private dining room that they have, and they're going to be, you know, served a, a proper meal. And he has his chef jackets on, and he says, I'm, I'm just going to take this off. And Bethany jokes, it's so funny. She goes, oh, yeah, I'm just going to take this off too." her top. It was <laughs> it's so funny. I love it. And Bethany explains, he really made an effort, and it was really charming. And they're having a great time. And she says, I'm really picky with men and food. And I think it's interesting the the stuff like there is a little bit to it in terms of what Luann was saying, don't say too much, because she does say to him, are you religious? And he says, "Mm, well, yeah. She goes, yeah, I noticed when you said you didn't swear, I figured that was something that must have been instilled in you by your parents. And she throws out, well, I didn't have parents, so I swear a ton. And you can tell the guy likes her and he just wants he wants her to like him, too. So he goes, oh, I actually love it when women swear. I'm sure he doesn't. But it was really sweet of him to try, try to get on her good side. And so, of course, Bethany says, well, then you're in the right company. And so the date clearly is over. We don't see it end, but we see Bethany's confessional where she says, we had really fun. He was very sweet and charming. And she says, there's a certain type of personality that chooses to be a chef. And we're all a bit nuts. (laughs) But she does say it was an A-plus date and he was a really great guy. So then we cut to the Here Comes the Sun Health Expo. It's outside. It looks like it was a rainy day, kind of a humid day, but everybody's got booths. There's yoga and health, you know, food everywhere. And Bethany is there with her products at a booth. And we get the first Skinny Girl t-shirt. I love it. She's just a genius at branding and marketing. So she's got her Skinny Girl t-shirt on. She's got all of her Bethany Bakes goods. And she mentions that Alex is coming to help. And Bethany also explains that she's a spokesperson for Health Magazine, and she was basically there for that purpose. And due to the weather, of course, Bethany says, Jesus, between Alex and myself, it should be an interesting hair day, (laughs) which uh, Alex shows up in a ponytail. I think she knew better. So they, they work the booth a little bit, and then you can see they take a walk around the expo and they're chatting. They're chatting about the construction. Bethany explains to Alex about the date she went on. She finally got back out there. She says, I like him, but I don't think I like him in that way. And I really like what Bethany says here, because Alex says, well, you know, how do you really know? Why would you deprive yourself of a nice night? Go out with him again. And Bethany explains, I'm I'm not going to do that because I actually think he really likes me. And that would just be mean. And I I like that Bethany takes that perspective because I do think the guy really liked her and she would have been leading him on. I loved the juxtaposition of Luann trying to give her dating advice versus Alex just kind of being a friend and explaining. It's so different. Luann's being overbearing and controlling and acting like she knows everything, whereas Alex is just sharing the story of how she and um, Simon met, and she's not trying to push any agenda or way to be on Bethany. She's just sharing like friends should. So she goes on, and Bethany likes the honesty because Alex goes on to say, we were really just looking for a one night stand online and we kind of bumped into each other and ended up falling in love. 
So then Bethany says, well, did you sleep with them on the first date? And you can tell they walked right up to a booth. And Bethany's like, oh, hey, sorry about that. Hello. (laughs) And Alex says, no, but we did sleep together on the second date. And Bethany loves the honesty. And I I don't, again, I don't think Bethany was expecting Alex to be so great because one-on-one when she's not with Simon and not having to cover for all of his nonsense and phoniness, she's a really great lady. And it's nice to see. Like I said, this is a welcome scene with Alex alone away from her insane, annoying husband. But then there's this hilarious scene. And I'm not trying to to knock Alex for crying about talking about her relationship, because trust me, when I talk about how sweet and (laughs) and wonderful my husband is, I get very teary-eyed too. But it just seems a little bit in the acting category. She's going on talking about their wedding night, how she told him, please don't hurt my heart because you have it forever. And she gets kind of emotional and teary-eyed and says, and he never has. It just seems a bit I don't know. I'm sure Simon would expect her to behave that way. So that's why I think she's acting like that. But maybe she was just hormonal. I get hormonal. I'm very quick to cry. So no judgment, Alex. Sorry if you were really being authentic there. It just seemed like you were trying to placate your husband. So we cut back to Bethany and Alex. They're walking around the expo. And Bethany says, look, I'm difficult enough as it is in just life. I don't need to play games. So here I am. And I like that. I think she knows herself. She is a very difficult person. And I think the last thing she needs to be is a, a game player. And then we see them kind of wrapping up the the expo. And Bethany says, you know, oddly, I'm really not too stressed about anything right now. And of course, she can't help but throw in a one-liner where she says, yeah, the, the lithium and the lobotomy, very, very effective. <laughs> and the scene ends. So then we cut to Jill. She is at Alex and T- uh, Simon's townhouse. She's knocking on the door. She's apparently going over there because Alex and Simon are the newest uh, Zarin Fabric customers, and they're redoing their house, and Jill is coming over to give them some ideas of what they can do. And as Simon explains, if she gives us 20 ideas and we only like one, it's still a win. Jill comes into the house. She's, of course, in a really you know nice dress and heels. And Alex says, oh, go ahead and sit down. And when you look at what she's asking her to sit down on, it's like those plastic green Adirondack chairs that you put in your backyard. That You know how they age? They just look dirty because they've been outside. And of course, Jill, I would probably have just sat down because <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted to hurt their feelings. But of course, Jill's like, is this dirty or does it just look dirty? So Alex grabs a paper towel and wipes it off. And Jill's like, oh, OK, I see. It just looks dirty. It's clean. So they sit and talk. And eventually now they're doing a tour of the house. They're showing them where the kitchen's going to be, where the dining room's going to be. And we see Jill's confessional, and she is shocked. She's like, the house is a total disaster. It is not a safe environment for kids, which, of course, they cut to Simon saying, kids, please stay in my line of sight. There's, you know, nails over there. And it is. it is. It's just a total demo zone. And she cannot believe that they did not move out for at least a month, especially because he works at the hotel. I'm surprised he couldn't get some sort of deal where they could get a room or something. It's just, it is ridiculous that they're living there. And then as they're going through other parts of the house, of course, Jill cannot hold back her criticism. Alex points out they found some tin, really pretty tin um, ceiling in part of their hallway, and they stripped back some plaster and found the original wood moldings around all of the doors. And you can tell Alex is, you know, really thrilled that they've got some original stuff. But then here comes Jill. And she says, look, you need to know where you are. You're not on Fifth Avenue. You're not on Madison. That's where the wealthiest of the wealthy lived. 
and you will find gems in places like this. She's like, look, 100 years ago, this probably was a perfectly nice neighborhood. But what you're really going to get here is something you think is a gem, but it's really just crap. And then she points out, you know, the tin ceilings and these moldings, they don't even they're not even the same style. They don't even match. And Simon, it's so funny. I feel like Alex actually has more of a backbone than Simon because Alex is like, well, yeah, maybe. And Simon's like, yeah, you're, you're probably right. <laughs> it's like, whatever. And then the pièce de résistance, they show Jill where they're sleeping in these tiny little closets that they have bunk beds. Their clothes are just on racks, on beds. And, you know, Jill points out, you're ruining your clothes. I don't understand. Like, that's your most important thing. And as they show her where they're sleeping, Jill just can't believe it. She's like, oh, my God, you are not living here. And Alex is like, well, we're sleeping here. And Jill, we go to her confessional. She's like, I almost died. Of course, we cut back and she looks at Alex and she's like, do you hate this? I hate this. (laughs) And then the episode ends with Jill saying, can you imagine the Van Campens having to have sex on that bed next door to their kid's room in this tiny little bunk bed? And the scene closes with Jill saying, I don't think there's going to be any more children in the Van Campen household this year. Well, that about does it for our breakdown of this episode. But make sure to join us next time when we break down Real Housewives of New York City, Season 2, Episode 6, Runway Runnin'. And you guys, we're just about to launch into the Bethany Kelly drama. It's gonna be good. And as always, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and most other places you get your podcasts. Until next time, see y'all then.